You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're working through the book of John. If you have your Bible, open to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're starting today in verse 12 of John chapter 8. Um, and so you can just kind of uh, orientate yourself to John chapter 8. Verse 12, what we're doing as we wander through the first half of the book of John uh, is we're looking at what it is that Jesus is trying to share in the big picture, right? I'm covering a lot of ground almost every sermon um, right now to get the big picture of Jesus' ministry through the book of John. And so last week we were at the end of John chapter 7, I think we covered all of John chapter 7 last week, and what Jesus was doing in John chapter 7, was he was engaged in a, in a confrontation uh, with the other teachers and leaders uh, of the time, and there was dispute among the people of whether or not Jesus could be uh, what he was. Was he the prophet? Was he um, the Messiah? Was he just some crazy person? And ultimately, that decision about who Jesus is and what you believe about Jesus will affect the rest of your life, not only here, but in eternity. That is the most important question that one person has to answer is, who is Jesus actually? Right? Not, not, not what does your mom think Jesus is, or, or who does your daddy say Jesus is, but who is Jesus in actuality is the question that has to be figured out as we look through John chapter 7. And then Jesus continues teaching. He's in the temple. He continues teaching in John chapter 8. And so you remember, there's this crowd of people, and they're kind of worked up into a lather about who Jesus is. You have the, the leaders uh, of the Jewish uh, religion at that time, the high priests and the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and they were discussing the question of who is Jesus. And most of those uh, elite scholars of the Old Testament decided he could not be the Messiah because he didn't come from the right place, though he did actually come from the right place. Um, and so they were, they, they were like, he can't be the Messiah, he's not from Bethlehem. That's kind of where they settled. So Jesus continues teaching in verse 12 of chapter 8. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony isn't true. And Jesus answered, look, even if I do bear witness about myself... My testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. I want to stop right there. Here's the deal. Jesus is is beginning this confrontation with the Pharisees now, and he says, look, I am the light of the world. Anyone who's with me is in light, and anyone who's away from me walks in darkness. And Jesus draws that line real quick, and the Pharisees begin to pick at him and saying, look, you can't testify about yourself, right? That's not a very good argument to give uh, self-testimony. If I stood up and just told you facts about myself and I had no corroborating evidence, just my word, that wouldn't be admissible in court, right? Like, I I, I joke, uh, we homeschool our children. I have a a son who's graduating this year. Homeschool graduation is kind of a weird thing, right? Um, Some of you have, like, never considered this, right? And so I I thought I'm going to make a diploma for my son, uh, and it's just going to say, Mama says I'm smart, right? And I'm going to give it to him uh, when he graduates, right? Because uh, it's like, I mean, really, right? Um, 
full, full disclosure, our, our kids work pretty hard at school, and they do pretty good at it. But, um, like, like, the testimony about yourself is not the same. We know this when we've been doing the college admission process for my son. We've been working through it. And so, like, we've had him taking junior college classes the last couple of years because we want something other than Mama Says to be the witness for my son's, like, general intellect, right? He has his SAT scores, and then he has college classes that he's already taken, and that, plus Mama Says I'm Smart, is enough for him to get into every school he's applied to, okay? So we're, we're pretty happy about his options. Now he just has to make a decision. He's kind of paralyzed with that right now. So you can pray for us as we walk through this last little, like, two-week period with him of trying to figure out what he's going to do um, as far as where he's going to be going to school. Uh, that, that, that's a concern for us. But you can't give testimony about yourself. That's, that's the point the Pharisees are making. And Jesus is like, look, I could give testimony about myself because I only tell the truth anyways. But you know what? I've got witnesses that testify about me as well, such as my father. Continuing on down in verse 21. We're going to skip a little bit today, I promise you. Uh, I'm not going to uh, butcher the text, but, but I encourage you to go back and read the totality of chapter 8 on your own today. He says, so he said in verse 21, he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you can't come. No, that's not what he's going to do. Verse 22 or 23, he said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to him, just what I've been telling you from the very beginning. So Jesus laid out something for the, the, the Pharisees to deal with in this first section of John chapter 8. And the first thing he lays out to them is he says, look, I am the light of the world and anyone who's not with me is in darkness and I'm going to go away and some of you are going to die in your sins and be lost forever, right? Because you walk in darkness. And they said, well, well how, who are you? And he says, look, I'm the one who I've always said I am. When he says, I am he, he's referencing back uh, to, Gen or to, to, to Exodus. When Moses is, is showing up to this burning bush that's burning but not being consumed by the fire, and God speaks from the bush and tells Moses to go back to Egypt to lead the people out of uh, the, uh, captivity and to go into the promised land. And Moses, who's ever so worried about this, says, who should I tell them sent me? And then God speaks from the bush. He says, I am that I am. And Jesus saying, I am, he is a reference all the way back to the I am statement that, that Moses heard from, from Jehovah God, from the bush. And so Jesus is telling the Pharisees and everyone who can hear him gathered around him in the temple that day, I am the same God that spoke from the bush. That's who I am. And you will die in your sin apart from me. You will die in your sin and go where I, where, you will not go where I go because you don't know where I'm from if you continue to walk in darkness. Jesus lays out the light and darkness motif and he says many of you are walking in darkness but you need to come back to the light because there is no light or life apart from Jesus Christ. People look for light and life everywhere else in this world. Right? They look at, at, at entertainment. They say, man, maybe we can find the right entertainment package for my television and then I will, I will enjoy my life. They look at, at travel, right? That's my favorite thing, travel. People, people believe that if they can get the right vacation 
they can get the right beach house, if they can get the right vacation home, then they'll have life. They're going to experience that real life. Right? And they, they think, man, I'll pursue after that with all that I have to get that perfect vacation. And, and they believe, they sell themselves this lie, and they buy this lie that there is true life found anywhere on this earth outside of Jesus Christ. And Jesus tries to clearly lay out to the Pharisees and to everyone gathered today, there is no light and there is no life apart from me. Right? The, the light-giving God, the one who let, lit the bush on fire back in Exodus, is the only light that you can ever find in this world that lasts and that matters. One of the things I love about that bush burning, by the way, back in Exodus, is right. the reason that Moses was first of all, like, I like fire. That's just kind of who I am. I like fire. I'm, I'm, some of you are like firefighter like right now calling. Like, eh, watch out for Matt. I'm not going to burn anything down that, that, that shouldn't be burned down. But like, I enjoy standing around a fire. It's one of my favorite things to do. I go camping, and I would just stare at the fire and just throw things on it. Just, 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 just keep putting stuff on it. Right? We'll run out of fuel in a minute. Because I just love watching fire. But one of the th- one things about fire is you, know, you put a log in, and then it goes away. Right, and I, I don't understand how fire works, right? I think it's oxidation. I'm not really sure how that works, right? right? Somehow I put a big old log in, and smoke goes up, and log is gone, and heat is given to me. That is in light. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I don't understand how it works. Science, I think, is how it works, right? right? But, but I know that if I take this giant log, and I set it in the middle of my blazing inferno, and it's always a blazing inferno. I set it in the middle of that blazing inferno. In just a matter of, of, of minutes to an hour or two, depending on the size of this thing, I mean, if it's real thick, it could take a little while, it's just going to be gone. Because fire consumes things. But the fire that Moses walked up to didn't consume anything. Right? And Moses looked at that fire and was like, man, that bush is still it's doing just fine. But you ever ask yourself why that was? I mean, it's a miracle, right? So maybe God was just trying to be miraculous. Right? Here's a miracle. Look at me. Right, but, but I think part of that was the idea that like God is saying, look, my light doesn't fade. Right? Like I'm, not, I'm not dependent on other things for sources of energy and power. Like I am fire in myself. I am self-sustaining, all-consuming fire, and I don't need anything else to be that. Right? God, God's light doesn't fade, and it doesn't need other sources of energy because God himself is Light, and there's not life anywhere else. Guys, I want to I encourage you, Christian, today, I want to encourage you, stop seeking life outside of Jesus Christ. Stop seeking life in relationships. Stop seeking life in your finances. Stop seeking life in anything other than Jesus Christ, because there is no life anywhere else apart from Jesus Christ. Continuing on, we're going to skip a little bit down to verse 31. Jesus is continuing to talk with these people. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, which is, which is, which is an interesting statement there, He says, look, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now Jesus is speaking to these guys, and these people have begun the process of expressing belief in Jesus. Like Jesus teaches with authority, and like, man, there's something about this guy when he teaches is different. 
And so there were some people gathered there who began to believe what Jesus was saying was true. And Jesus, just to stick them a little bit more, that's kind of what Jesus does, right? He moves people to a point, and then he jabs them along a little further to get them where they need to be. He does that with me and my own relationship with him, right? Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty content in a spot, and then God's like, nah, we got to move you a little further. I'm like, you know what? I never should have said I was content in that spot, because now I'm very, very uncomfortable in the spot that I find myself in now. But Jesus says to these people, he says, look, you guys are enslaved, but look, if you will believe in my words, right? He says, uh, he says, if you'll abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And immediately, these people uh, buck at that uh, statement. Because, see, in, in that time period where Jesus was speaking, the Roman Empire was fully in control of that region. Right? They had uh, governors and prefects. Pontius Pilate later on will become kind of a character in the story that matters. Right? They, they were in charge of that region. But the Roman Empire had decided it was in their best interest to let the Jewish people kind of govern themselves underneath the Roman authority. And that's why you have uh, the Sanhedrin and the ruling um, elders and things going on uh, in the New Testament. Because Rome decided from their own goodness of their heart, really for the preservation of their empire, right? Because if they had come down harsh on the Jewish people, there would have been a rebellion and they would have had to strike it down. And it would have been ugly and bloody and messy. And that happened in 70 AD, by the way. But they didn't want that. They didn't want to have a bloody, nasty thing. They already kind of possessed it by virtue of power and taxing. And so they said, you know what? We're going to let y'all govern yourselves. And so when Jesus said, you guys are slaved to something, immediately they're like, no, we're not slaves. There were slaves all around them. Right? There were slaves all over the Roman Empire. But the Jewish people said, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Right? Abraham's our father, we've never been enslaved to anyone. I guess they forgot the whole Exodus narrative, by the way. Right? That whole like, couple hundred years in captivity after Joseph. Um, but, but for whatever reason, they said, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Maybe they mean in their own lifetimes. I don't know. We've never been enslaved to anyone. And Jesus says, yeah, you think that. You think you've never been enslaved to anyone. But he says, anyone who practices sin, I want to read it, read it word for word here so I, don't, so I don't mess it up. He says, truly, truly, verse 34, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And this is hard to hear. Right, because we, America, thank you guys, we feel that we have this great freedom. It's kind of who we are. We're independent-minded, free people. Right, God gave freedom and so we live in freedom. In fact, you know, you can buy a t-shirt and it just says freedom on it. And that's an American thing, right? I don't think that shirt sells in the Czech Republic, right? But in America, freedom, that's a shirt that will sell. Put a flag on it, you know, maybe an eagle, right? And we're buying it. We're like, yeah, freedom. That's who we are. We love it. We love freedom. And I'm, I'm, I'm pro-freedom, guys. Like, yay, go, go get them. But the truth is, in, that, in our quest for freedom, right, sometimes we forget that, that freedom is not just this, like, granted to a country or a, a citizenry, right? Freedom is oftentimes individualized. And you might have freedoms given to you by the Constitution of the United States. You might have freedoms given to you from a variety of reasons. But if you're living in sin, you are individually a slave to sin. You have all the freedoms that America could ever warrant to give you. You have all those freedoms. But if you're living in sin, if you're practicing sin... You are enslaved to your sin. You may think that you're still free. You may even think that that sin that you're practicing, that you're choosing it. 
Like that you chose that sin and therefore you're actually the master of the sin. But that's not the truth. No, sin makes you live in darkness and it enslaves you in darkness. Sin makes you live and enslaves you in darkness, away from the light and life that God has to offer through Jesus Christ, which is freedom. You live enslaved to sin. And we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. We say we're free because we have freedoms given to us by our, by our country, right? And then we say that we're free because the choices that we make are our volitional choices. But some of us, you've been making the same sinful choice for 40 years straight. For 40 years, you've been making the same sinful choice. And you want to say that you're the one in charge of that. And I'm here to tell you, you're not. Your freedom has been taken from you. And instead of living in light and life in freedom, you have now chosen to become a slave to sin. And the tricky thing about sin is we think that it's our pet. And we feed it. And then eventually it rules us. And we can't get away from it. And you may try to shake it. You may try to run from it. You may try to put it off. But it hounds you down and hunts you down and brings you back right where you were. Because sin is your master at that point. You were never, Christian, you were never made to live under the yoke of sin and death. God did not intend for you to live in that darkness and dark place. That is not why you were created. You were created for freedom in Christ. And so today, if you find yourself yoked to sin, and sin is your master, and you can't shake it, you can't get around it, but you're just totally captured by it. It could be a specific sin. Right? I mean, your sin. We all have pet sins, and we think that they're not that big of a deal. I'll speak for myself because it's easier to talk for me than for you, right? right. But for me, my, I have two sins that are just so readily ready to take me captive. First one is pride. Pride is ever ready to take me, right? Always at my door, crouching, waiting for an opportunity to be like, come on back, Matt. Come on back underneath my leadership. And I have to be aware of that. I have to know that my pride, that, that thing inside of me, that nasty bit inside of me, it's there. And I had nurtured that sin for decades. I had nurtured it for decades and given it a, a place in my heart. Right? My mama said I was special, and I took that all the way to the logical extreme. Right? Right? I took it all the way. I have to be aware of that. I have to know that that's there and to know that it's easy for me to surrender my freedom to live underneath the bondage of pride. And sometimes it feels good to live under that bondage for a season. It feels good to be there. The other one is I have a quick wit that turns into painful words. I can hurt people with darts from my mouth without ever thinking. Right, I remember this. I was a youth pastor, my first youth ministry in Livingston, Texas. Blanchard Baptist Church, there was a girl named Michelle, 15-year-old girl probably, I don't know, 14, 15-year-old girl. Nice girl, enjoyed having her in my ministry, and I was just being a 22-year-old idiot, right, joking around, whatever. And I don't even remember what I said. I really don't. But I do remember her father coming into my office and letting me know that whatever I said, and it wasn't like it was inappropriate, like it was a sexually suggestive or anything like that. It was just something that hurt who she was. 
it made her feel bad about herself. And he came in and he got all over me. And I never intended to hurt her. I thought I was being funny. Right? And I might, maybe even got a laugh somewhere out there. But what she felt was the barb of, 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 of someone who just did not care about her feelings in that moment. And I can do that. Right? I had a friend. I'm going to tell more stories on myself. My best friend years ago, I was at, at lunch with him and his wife. They were infertile. They're still infertile. They don't, they don't have any children. They're struggling with that for 15 years now. And I was just joking. I said, you know, wife's place, barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. Just joking. Pure misogyny joke. Right? I understand, like, I don't need to get the lecture on misogyny right now. Right? It was a joke on misogyny is basically what it was. But, but she couldn't get pregnant. And I'm throwing that at her as like a throwaway joke to get a quick laugh. Right? Like, who does that? This guy does that. There's something in me. Right, and it probably plays back into pride, right? This desire right, to get a laugh, this desire to have this center of attention is probably the reason, right, that this is a dangerous job for me. This desire, it makes me do things that, that does not consider other people's feelings in a moment. And those, those sins that I nurtured for years, they're still waiting to master me, right? And they still, still sometimes to this day, I have to go and go back and repent and put them away and seek freedom in Jesus Christ instead of slavery to, 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 to myself. Guys, it is a dangerous thing. Sin makes you live in darkness, and you think that you're not enslaved at all. But you are. Continuing on, jump down with me to verse 42. It says this in verse 42, Jesus speaking. He says, he said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he, God, sent me. Verse 43, Why do you not understand what I say? Uh, it is because you cannot bear to hear my word. For you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of liars. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. So here's the deal. In Jesus' light and life, we all have this, this slave to sin that, that wants to enslave us. And we think that we're in control of that. And Jesus pulls that little like like a veil back a little further to not only reveal that we're enslaved to sin, but the reason that we're enslaved to sin is because we inherited it from our dad. Right? Not your dad. Your dad may be a great dude. I love my dad. Right? I, I probably have some sins that I did actually inherit from my father, some specific things that I do when I speak. And I'm like, ooh, that's, that's my dad right there coming out of me. Right? But no, when I, when I mean that, that this is inherited, I mean this is from the father of lies the father of all sin, Satan himself. And the devil is the father of all those enslaved to sin. And you want to say, no, that's not me. No, that's not me. I just made a mistake. It was a bad choice. It was a season. You know, we all go through things. The truth is, sin is an inherited trait, and we got it uh, from our father, the devil, in that moment. But here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. You aren't stuck with your birth daddy. 
you're not. Right? Like, I, we, we've done adoption in my family. We've adopted three kids. Three different biological fathers. By the way, all three of those biological fathers, probably decent people. Not terrible people. Just people who ended up in a bad spot with bad choices, made bad choices, and there's chaos that kind of came out from there. The beautiful thing about adoption, though, is that I have children who can look at me, and they can call me dad. Right? They can call me dad because I have made them mine. Right? I chose them. I chose you to be mine. And I love you to be mine. And that's the beauty of adoption. That's exactly what God does, though. Right? We're slave to sin. We're from our father, the devil. And God looks at us and says, you don't have to be like that. I want you in my family. And God chose you from the foundation of the world, knowing that you would fall into sin, knowing that you would, you would break his heart, knowing that you would choose wickedness over righteousness, knowing everything that you've ever thought, said, or done that dishonors him. And he says, I choose you. We're scared to reveal our true selves to people because people will hear who we really are and run the other way. And God knows everything about you. And he says, I choose you. Jesus is in the process right now of revealing that to the people gathered there today, that they've been chosen by God. They don't have to live enslaved to sin, walking in darkness, uh, serving their father, the devil. They don't have to live that way anymore. They can live underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ, who was sent from the father, who chose them from eternity past. God chose you to be his child. You don't have to live under the sins of your past. You don't have to live out the sins of your father. You can live in life with God, our father in heaven. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But sin is an inherited trait. And some of us, we, we lie to ourselves. We say, no, it's not a big deal. Doesn't hurt anyone. It's just me. It's not a big deal. I'm okay. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Right? We tell everyone else's sin, big deal. Right? That guy lies to you. The contractor comes in and says it's going to take one week, it takes six weeks, and he charges you three times as much. Big deal that he lied to you. You lie to other people, you know it was a mistake. I didn't really know what I was doing. I thought it was this, it was this. Right, because we don't really judge our sins appropriately. And we don't really judge other people's sins appropriately either. We love to sit in judgment of other people, and we don't really recognize that we do the same thing. Because, guys, we are busted up. But God still loves you. That's what I love about, about God is that he chose me. And I'm not, I, I try to be honest with y'all up here. I really, I try to lay out uh, to the best of my ability without getting fired who I am, okay? Right, like if possible, maybe I could get fired if I said every, everything that who I am. But like the best of my ability, who I am, so you know that this guy up here is a person like you. I'm not perfect. I'm not like, I don't have this thing figured out in its totality. But God chose me. And I know me, and I wouldn't have chosen me. I wouldn't have. I might have chosen you. Y'all look pretty good. But me, I know me. I know my thoughts. I know my words. I know my past. I know my desires. Like, I know me. I wouldn't have chosen me. But God, in his infinite grace and love, chose me. Just like he chooses you. To be his beloved one. Let's finish it up here. Verse 49. 
They're, they're accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed now. Right? Jesus responds in verse 49, I don't have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I don't seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. Guys, Jesus, Jesus says, look, there's, there's light in me and darkness everywhere else. Right? You are slaves to sin and darkness following the, the leadership of your father, the devil. And you're lying to yourself saying it's no big deal. He says, but if you will believe in me, there is life. Right? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus offers salvation, forgiveness, life, and freedom to you today. And some of you have received that gift. By the glory of God, to the praise of God, you have received that gift. In a moment, some point in your life, you said, I trust that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the Lamb of God sent from God to take away my sin. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again so I could have eternal life. I trust that Jesus today. Jesus, please take my sin away. And in that moment, you move from life or from death to life, right? From darkness to light. In that moment, God did something amazing inside of your life. But there's possibly some people in this room today who have never made that step. And you're here today, and you've been in church your whole life. You're 80 years old. This would be like your nine millionth sermon to hear. And at this moment, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you are still enslaved to sin. You've never been free. Not that you're choosing sin as a believer, which we do. But you've never been free. You've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You've never turned away from your master, the devil, to seek after the goodness of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I want you to know God is calling you to salvation and he chose you from the foundation of the world. You're broken, you're sinful, you're wicked, you're terrible. If, if I knew you, I'd probably put you out of the church. Right? If I knew you. But God does know you and he still chooses you. God is infinitely more loving and graceful than I am. Gracious, maybe, than I am. And so if that's you today, I want you to know Jesus Christ is calling out to you today. He's calling out to you. He's saying, please trust me today for the forgiveness of sin and experience real freedom, true freedom, not this, not this kind of like manufactured sort of freedom that we have. But for the rest of us, and there's a lot of Christians on a church on a Sunday morning uh, in Rockdale, Texas, there's a lot of Christians who gather together. Praise God for that, that Christians can gather together and do that. Here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do for this sermon here, guys is I'm going to ask you to put off sin and to walk in the light. Right? Because Christians, we're, we're, we're just as guilty of falling back into the habit of living in sin. And we tell ourselves the same lies we told ourselves before we ever became believers. We tell ourselves that if, right, right, that, that, that if we're the ones making the choice to sin, that we're still in control of our life. Right? And we, and we think that we're okay. Because we made that choice. I want to tell you, if, if you're living in sin today, whether you know it or not, you're out of control. You have surrendered control, and you're careening down the mountain, and you need help. You need to put off your sin, and the way you do that is by repenting back 
to God. You go back to God and say, God, look, I recognize that I've been living a sinful life. And you, and you itemize those sins that you've been doing. Don't, don't give the generic, God, forgive me where I fail you. You know where you fail him. Tell him. He knows. It's really for you so you can put words to what it is that you've already been doing. What you've been thinking, what you've been saying. Put off sin, go back to God in repentance, and then walk in the light. One of the, one of the beautiful pictures in the book of John is the concept that we're called to abide with Jesus Christ. We're not just called to like meet him once upon a time on a road and have this dramatic experience and then our life changes forever. No, we're called to meet him dramatically on the road and then walk with him the rest of our lives. And so every day we walk with him. How's your walk with the light today? Are you walking with the light? Is your Bible touched in the last seven days, right? You drop it off Sunday afternoon, pick it up Sunday morning, and we're good. That's right, pretty easy to do that, right? Drop it down. I'm a professional Christian, so I have to read the Bible. But for those of you who are not professional Christians, which is the vast majority of y'all out here today, it's real easy to not abide with Jesus Christ. And it's easy for me not to really abide with Jesus Christ. It's easy for me just to make a sermon, right? I'm going to read the Bible to get the sermon out and not really walk with Christ. I'm going to ask you today to walk with Jesus Christ. And it's tough to walk with Jesus Christ alone, so I want you to seek accountability for that. If you're married today, you have a beautiful blessing. You should thank God that you have that blessing. You have a spouse. If you're a believing spouse, you can go to them and you can say, look, I'm trying to abide with Jesus Christ better. Hold me accountable. Ask me if I read my Bible today. Ask me what I'm reading in my Bible today. You can read with your spouse. I encourage it. But if you're not going to do that, which is fine, then hold each other accountable. If you're, if you're not, if you're single today, we got some older, we have widows, we have older people who, who, who are unmarried. Uh, maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe you just never, never had that. Find somebody. God is good to give you somebody that you can talk to about those things. If you need help with that, you can talk to me, and I'll try to set you up with somebody. I can't be all of y'all's accountability partners, but I can try to help facilitate that for some of y'all. But it helps to have someone come alongside of you on a daily or weekly basis and say, how is your abiding with Jesus today? Are you walking in the light today? Are you still living for yourself? Your life will not look like Jesus Christ unless you surrender yourself to the will of God as found in the word of God. Will you do that today? Let's pray.